Have you ever gone anywhere and your name is supposed to be on the list to get into the party and it wasn't there? Can you imagine what it's be like for these folks? I am certain there's going to be individuals that are they're going to think, well, I'm a good person, I'm a good moral individual, and, and my name's got to be on the list. But it's not. Because they've convinced themselves. But I believe at this point in time, they're going to realize, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm about to get what I deserve. Because there will be no secrets before God. There will be no more deception. It's all over. The truth is out. I did not receive my Redeemer. I did not receive Him as the Lamb who shed His blood. And that's a horrible position to be in. But before creation was even started, this was all established. Before anything was created, God viewed Christ as already crucified. Christ was still anticipating it. The reason is because of man's sinful condition, it was not a shock to God. I used to think as a kid that when Adam and Eve sinned, it was a shock to God, and now he had to do something. It was all pre-planned. Grace was planned, and we need to look at 2 Timothy 1.9 to see this. 2 Timothy 1.9 Actually, I'm going to begin at verse 8. Read 8, 9. I'm going to actually read 8 through 12. As I read this, there's a phrase I want you to kind of look for in here that's repeated three times. 2 Timothy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoners, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now as unto, now as, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, through, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I stand appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. I'm sorry, the, the passage is going to have those three phrases. The next one we're going to look at. Well, in this one. I think it's in Ephesians that we're going to look at. But notice here what Paul says here in verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul understood what Christ was doing and he was committed to that suffering. Now again, when a surgery is coming, we have to do it because if we don't, whatever the problem is, is going to get worse and we could die. So we commit ourselves to the surgery. It's not a pleasant thing, but it's a necessary thing. Paul understood all this and we know what Paul's long list of trials he's went through. But grace was planned before creation as we see in these verses. His grace was planned. Which, what is grace? It's a divine ability to do something we can't do on our own, and it's God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve salvation, but He's going to grant it to us if we receive it. But then we have this divine ability to do things that we cannot do on our own. And in this sin-cursed world, we need all the help we can get. 
And every one of us here know we've tried it on. How many of us have tried to solve things and get through things on our own? That does not work well. That's when we become a basket case emotionally and mentally and physically. But His grace was planned. This is an attribute of God that could never have been known unless man chose to sin. How else could He show it? There'd be no way to express it. So His grace was planned long before man ever sinned. Another passage in Ephesians that, again, I can't comprehend this. But it, the Bible teaches it. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Just as He is chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Him according to the good pleasure of His will. What I don't understand here is, why did God choose me before the foundation of the world over others? Again, I don't comprehend how He chose me, and yet I still have a choice. But it's there. Now, I look at it this way. I don't deserve it, but that makes me feel extra special in some way. But I do know this. He didn't choose me because I'm special. He didn't choose you because you're special. Same thing with Israel. He told Israel, I didn't choose you because you are a wealthy nation, a great nation. I just chose you because I love you. Why did he choose me? He loved me. Not because I earned his love, not because I deserve his love, but before the foundation of the world, this was done. We go on. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Not my purpose, his purpose. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption of the purchase, purchase possession to the praise of his glory. Three times we'll find that phrase there. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. It is not pleasant to go through suffering. It was not pleasant for Christ to go through his suffering as we'll examine the next couple of weeks. But it was all for the praise of His glory. When we get in that final stage of eternity, and we were talking about that with Elena. She had a birthday this week. And, and you know, we kind of don't like getting older. 
but I kind of look at every day that I get older, it is one day closer to the Lord. I don't look what's behind because I can't change that. I'm looking forward to what's coming ahead. That we're just one day closer when this sin-cursed mess that we're living in is going to be eliminated completely. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. It can't come soon enough for me. But all this suffering that's going on is still for the praise of His glory and His grace. And without relying on Him and understanding what He has done on our behalf, we will struggle with suffering to the point where we will be worthless before God. So we are chosen before creation. History's purpose of God is providing redemption in the praise of His grace. He makes it possible to be accepted by Him through Him. And again, in this verse, uh, which one was it? Um, talked about our adoption. Christ suffered and died to be a redeemer so we can be adopted through Christ. Why would God want to adopt me? I can imagine what it would be like to go and adopt a child. Uh, unfortunately, my parents didn't have a choice. They got stuck with me. Your parents got stuck with you. But how do you go to a room where there's a bunch of children that need a parent and you pick one? You don't want to look at them like puppies, do you? I mean, how do you determine which one I'm going to take home and become mine? But somehow, God's word is clear that those of us that have put our faith and trust in Him were adopted by Him. And it's very clear in the Hebrew and the Greek that this adoption isn't just, well, you're, you've got my name and now you've got to identify with us. The adoption was, you are legally mine. Everything I own is yours. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. As I shared with somebody here recently, what does Christ own? The universe. What do I own? The universe. So we sit here, we complain about being poor. <laughs> We're not poor, are we? We own the universe with Christ. It can't get any better than that. Now, we may not have all that we want to make our lives comfortable at this point in time. But we do know from what Scripture says, there's a more comfortable life coming. And we can enjoy that, and we're going to be able to. But we're adopted by Him. So without Christ's suffering, this adoption was not possible. We need to thank God for... In fact, let me encourage you this next week. When you go to prayer, how about every day at least once, God, thank you for adopting me. May I never forget how special it is that you've adopted me. I know you didn't adopt me for any good reason, <laughs> except that you love me. Hopefully that will do something in developing a more intimate relationship with him, because we realize that adoption is a very special relationship. Do we have anybody who's adopted here today? I don't think so. Shelly was, I know, but she's with the Lord now. She's with her final father, permanent father. But all this is for the praise of His glory. As we saw in verse 6, verse 12, verse 14. You might want to underline that in your Bible. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of His glory. This is all to bring glory to Him. I cannot imagine 
when my sin nature is gone and I'm in a, an environment there is no more sin curse I gotta think that somehow when I stand before God somehow my praise of Him is going to be ramped up <laughs> there's going to be nothing that's going to restrict my praise of Him because the sin nature is gone can you imagine what kind of an awesome time that's going to be when we all stand before Him if we can get off our face, if you know what I mean. I think the first thing we're going to do is fall flat on our face before Him in, in humility. <laughs> but when we get past that, can you imagine the enthusiasm that we're going to express in our praise of His glory for what He's done on our behalf? It just gets got to be mind-boggling. But again, God planned the suffering for Christ before the world was created. This was not a shock to God. It was all planned. And all this was planned because He's got a very, very special eternity waiting for us. And all this is in preparation of that. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5 as we get a little closer to as we find it recorded in the book of Revelation. Revelation 9 through 12. And again... Use your imagination here. I'm going to begin at verse 8. But Here is a perfect environment. These individuals that are here are perfect. And it says in verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. See what I said? When we get before him, the first thing we're going to do is fall flat on our face before him. It's a physical expression of what's going on in the heart. I am surrendered to you. Each having a harp and golden bowls of, full of incense, which indicates prayer, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. These are the elders. Now, the angels didn't sing this, but the four elders and the living creatures. We are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the four elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand thousands of thousands and the angels are now saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing the angels are chanting this. The 420 elders are singing. And we go on, and every creature which is in heaven on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Can we imagine what this must be like and what's taking place here? I don't know. I've, I've never really taken time to watch a great deal of it, but I know when the Queen of England has a birthday or there's some festivity going on, I mean, England pulls out all the stops. And this is for a queen. But what we see here is for a king, the lamb. You can, it's just going to be an awesome, awesome experience. 
to be there. And we get a taste of it through these individuals that have the privilege when the seals are open and the things are about to begin. Just a taste for us. Any suffering that we experience can't compare to the suffering that he went for us. Because what did he deliver us from? God's son suffered so we don't have to suffer the lake of fire. There is a hell out there. And it's very real. And God gave us a window into that. Read Luke chapter 16. That's not a parable. Here was a rich man that was in hell. And he made it very clear that wasn't a pleasant place to be. I can't imagine, but for him it would have been a tremendous amount of relief just to have a wet finger laid on his tongue. Now when I'm thirsty, I want more than a wet finger on my tongue. Don't you? I mean, we can guzzle a gallon of water, a gallon of iced tea. I mean, we're thirsty. We're going to guzzle. But a wet tongue was going to be relief. Or a wet finger on his tongue was going to be relief. Because his eye am tormented in these flames. I believe that's God's window for us to see what hell is really going to be like. In fact, that is the passage that God used to motivate me to get saved. Because my dad shared with that us at the dinner table. And he, under, he, he reminded me, and I, I, I had a brief reminder of my, my sinfulness. Because just before dinner, I had the Board of Education on the seat of knowledge applied. So I understood what punishment was. And God, Dad took my, this passage. He said, son, there's a bigger punishment coming. But there's someone who's willing to take that whipping for you. In fact, I remember, I don't even know what happened. I don't remember to this day. But I remember my dad was mad. It was the maddest I'd ever seen my dad. And there was five of us. One of us did something. And none of us would confess. So we sat on the couch, it seemed like forever, until somebody confessed. And I don't remember if anybody did. But I remember the punishment that was going on and on and on until somebody did. Well, the Lord has saved us from that punishment. Jesus Christ has taken my whipping. He's taken your whipping. And it's a severe one. It was in God's plan for creation even began that God Himself would suffer through Christ to shed His blood. And as we looked at the morning Bible study this morning, how important the blood is. I really believe another, and I mentioned this morning, Jim, but to add to your lesson, just talk on my mind. I believe there's another reason why we're not to drink the blood. Because how many of us get squeamish when we see blood? When there's blood, don't we realize something important is going on? Something serious is happening? If we drink blood, aren't we taking that very lightly? I mean... Most of us, it just would make us cringe to even think about drinking blood. But there are individuals that do. In fact, it's a common practice in Satan worship. It's a common practice in spiritism to drink blood. Why? I believe it because it just takes the impact of the importance of shed blood away. When we see blood being spilled, we need to realize and be reminded there was a man that spilled all of his blood so I can have an atonement. 
And so God does not want us to take it lightly. Now, God does not sin in this suffering. We need to understand that because there's some that... And in our logic, it seems logical that if there's sin, it came from God. And we may not understand it, but we need to believe this. There is not sin in the world because there is sin in God. God's Word is perfectly clear. He is holy. Sin came not by Him. It came from one of His creations. And again, it was not by God's surprise or shock. It was part of His plan. But He did not commit the sin Himself. In Genesis 50, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. We'll just review it again just to kind of get a picture of, even though we don't comprehend it, Joseph, Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, can you imagine, have you ever tried to put yourself in Joseph's shoes? You got 11 brothers and they sell you into slavery. Uh, how would you feel about your brothers? Would you want to talk to them anytime soon after that happened? And then to go through all the events that he went through. I mean, he has been removed from his family. He's been removed from his inheritance. He's been removed because he was the favorite among daddy. That's why they hated him in the first place. The coat of many colors. He was the favorite. Now who was he favorite to? Now he's sold to Potiphar working for somebody. He didn't have things to do with it. And now he's thrown into prison because of he's been accused of rape. We all know the history. I wonder how many times in this process that Joseph had doubts about what God was doing. Or I wonder if those dreams that he got had given him that somehow this is all going to come together and I don't know how it's going to come together but I'm going to be patient and wait. We find no place where he panicked or got concerned. But in the end... Now, were, there, were his brothers wrong in what they did? Absolutely. Did God condone it? We have to say yes, because he's sovereign. He ordained it. But we know what God was doing here. He needed to get the Israelites into the promised land, or into the Egypt before he got to the promised land. In fact, um, I often wonder why God did that. Now you're giving an explanation somebody gave me, I think is very reasonable. If Abraham and his family had settled in, well, Jacob had settled in the promised land, what were the people like in that country? Extreme idolaters. Bloodthirsty, violent, that's what those people were like. How well would they have survived in that environment? So God moved them out of that area to establish and put them in Goshen where nobody wanted to live because they only fit for shepherds. And what would Egyptians not do? They would not intermingle with shepherds. They hated shepherds. So they put the Israelites over in Goshen and left them alone. And so what did they do for 400 years? They as a nation grew to a nation of two and a half million people. Now God says, now you're big enough to go into the promised land and conquer it and survive it. And they still struggled with it, didn't they? 
But would they have ever had any hope at all in our humanistic way of conquering all those people and growing to a great nation in that kind of environment? That's why God moved them out of there. And, and now, did he sit down and say, now Joseph, let me tell you what's going to happen here. I want to get your approval on this. He doesn't have to explain to us, does he? We just have to trust him. And Joseph, in some way, trusted him. And now he sees it. Did he fully see the plan? If I recall correctly, God did tell Joseph that eventually your people will leave this land and your bones will go with them. This is what's going to happen. But I don't think it was until the end of his life that he, that he heard that. In the meantime, he's having to suffer all this suffering without an explanation. How many of us, when they are suffering, wish God would give us an explanation? God, I at least need to understand why. We don't need to know, or He'd tell us. Now, sometimes it becomes obvious. We, we, something just becomes very obvious what God's doing. Sometimes it's not so obvious. But it's not because of His sin. You meant it for evil. It was in God's plan, even though it was an evil thing for Adam and Eve to sin and for this whole process to get started. Because there's no way that God could be fully re revealed and understood by man unless sin was somehow in existence. We saw that in Ephesians 1, in the praise of His glory. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Paul teaches us more about this. Romans chapter 8. <coughs> 20, 23. I'm going to read down through verse 25 as well. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. See, we don't have to understand, do we? All the suffering, and we can look at Paul's list of things that he went through. He's got two lists for us. All of in this room together didn't go through that one man did. No place. Did God explain in details what was going on? It wasn't until he was actually going to Rome and said, you're going to die in Rome, that he knew that much was going to happen. And Paul didn't have any problem dying. He knew where he was going. In fact, he said a couple times, I do despair with life. I do want to go home, and the sooner the better. But I cannot go home until God says my job is done. In fact, I come to realize that several years ago, actually, um, right about the time I met my wife and started having my devotions and, and, and getting acquainted with God like I never had before. Somewhere in my devotions, I come to realize, because I used to have a problem with worry. 
I worry about every little thing. And I come to realize that I am absolutely immortal until my task for job is with for God is done. And you are the same way. You cannot die a moment before your job is done. And so why do I worry about it? If my time to die is in the next five minutes, am I going to stop it? I've only found one man in the Bible that stopped it for 15 years. And I don't know why he did that. King Hezekiah says, Hezekiah, plan because you're going to die. Prepare for your death. And he pleaded with him and God gave him another 15 years which ended up being a big disaster for Israel. Because he bragged on his wealth. He invited the enemy to come in. Look at all that I have. Duh. And the enemy came in and took it all. That wasn't too bright. Again, in God's sovereignty, why did he allow that to develop? I have no idea. <laughs> but he did. We don't need the answer. We just trust him. But there is hope in suffering. We don't have to know. All we have to know is this. God, you are sovereign. You're still in control. And I leave it in your hands. Help me, God, to respond to what's going on by your will. Help me to draw closer. Now, as you look at the creation, it was subjected to the effects we looked at a couple weeks ago. The disease, the defects, the, the disabilities, the aging process, the natural disasters, the human atrocities. I mean, it's just terrible what's going on over the Middle East. I think they said last week over 33,000 people have died in Syria in just the last few months. Most of them citizens. Not soldiers, citizens. All because they can't get along. So foolish. Yet I guarantee you that in some way, there's some individuals that are coming to know Christ. It, it was pointed out to me after we went to Iraq, and we needed to be there. But you know, we've had, and who shared this with me, was a missionary that was trying to get into Iraq. You could not get a missionary in Iraq for anything. But when we sent how many soldiers over there, guess what went with them? Christians that people began to come to know Christ. Right now, they're over in uh, Iraq, there's six Awana clubs going on. There's two or three churches that got started because of the soldiers sharing Christ with those other. We couldn't get missionaries here, but God did. As much as we hate war, God used it. Same thing's happening in Afghanistan. God has a plan. We don't always see it. But suffering, again, is not partial to any age group. Now we think of our little grandson, only a couple days old. He didn't understand his suffering, but sure is hard on mom. <laughs> and you moms know what I'm, what I'm talking about. In fact, he was even on our, hard on our oldest one because they went to the hospital and they had to put some IVs in because the first couple of days there was trouble breathing because he was three weeks premature. And uh, they had to put another IV in him, I think, to help with the bilirubin thing. And uh, No, there's a platelet problem, that's what it was. His platelets were really off too. Our oldest grandson, seven, it was more than he could handle to see his little JJ brother with all these needles stuck in him. He just fell apart. <laughs> Mom was having problems with it too, <laughs> as you can imagine. So suffering is not just for us as adults, it touches every one of us. Let's turn to Ezekiel 33:11. 
Ezekiel 33.11. See what he says about the Lord here in regard to suffering. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. This is speaking about God. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn away from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? I believe one of the most difficult things that God is ever going to have to do is when the day he has to throw Satan, his angels, and all of humanity who rejected the Savior into the lake of fire. I do not believe God's going to enjoy that. I believe that's why he's got to wipe out all the tears and the sorrow. Can you imagine living that, uh, with that thought in your mind for an eternity? That those who rejected Christ are in the lake of fire for eternity? He has to wipe that out because that would take all the joy out of being in eternity in a perfect environment. But, again, we have to understand this is their choice. This is their choice. God does not enjoy this kind of suffering. Lamentations, chapter 3. Lamentations means weeping. Jeremiah wept over the suffering of Israel because of their sin. He pleaded with them. Again, I've shared with you before. I admire Jeremiah a great deal. He preached for 40 years and never had one convert. I've been in the ministry now for 35 years. But I tell you, if I hadn't had any converts by now, I'm not sure I'd still be preaching. <laughs> but Jeremiah never gave up. In fact, one passage that he, it was chapter 20, one of the first messages I ever prepared and preached. It still sticks with me today. Jeremiah was persecuted for what he was preaching. He was putting stocks, stuck out in the courtyard in the sun. And he said, okay, God, I've had enough. About 20 years ago now, now, I've had enough. And he said, God, I am not saying anything more. I'm sick of it. But almost in the same breath, he said, but God, your word is like a burning fire in my bones, and I can't keep quiet. Do we appreciate God and his word to that degree? In fact, let me reveal a little bit about myself. You know what's the number one thing that keeps me sometimes from witnessing to people? What they might think of me. They might think I'm a square. They might not like what I'm going to say. Should that really matter? We should take every opportunity. And I appreciate Glenn. He's been challenging me on this. And I... I we're going to work with Glenn, and, and I want more challenge from Glenn. Glenn has lost that me image. Glenn's got that image. You're going to hell. I want to help you get out of there. I'll give you a track. <laughs> I'll sit down and talk with you anywhere I can. I think it was Dale Moody. I'm not positive on that, but I think I've shared this with you before. He made a pact with God that he would share the plan of salvation with at least one individual per day before he'd go to bed at night. One night he gets to bed, it's midnight. Oh, God, I didn't witness to anybody today. You know what he did? 
He got up and took a walk. He got to the bridge, and there's a man standing on the bridge ready to jump. Rocket science, and what do I do here? Uh, sir, why are you about ready to jump? So he witnessed to him. The man came down a believer. <laughs> you know? I said, God, I, I wish I could do that. Maybe I should do that. Now, in some cases, because my destination is between the house and the church, I'm going to have to find some place to go out there and find somebody between there, if you know what I mean. I don't have the mingling with people like I used to have. And, that, and I do miss that sometimes. Uh, for our guests, I was involved in the fire service for 27 years as a volunteer in an ambulance. I never lacked for finding an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord. <laughs> and that was one reason I did it. I had the firemen and their families, I had people in the community, and my, even though I've enjoyed working full-time for the Lord here in the ministry, I was a part-time bus driver in New York. And uh, I had many opportunities to share Christ. In fact, it didn't take very long, about a year after being there, I became their kind of unofficial chaplain of the bus garage. Because they knew if anybody had something to be prayed about, they could take it to Stutzel and he'd pray about it. And if they had any questions about the Bible, they knew who had the answers. I never had the opportunity to win any of those to Christ, but we did see some begin to find a church that was preaching the Word. Ezekiel 33.11 or Lamentations 3.22-32 Through the Lord's mercy we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Get this, folks. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do we sense his faithfulness when we're going through suffering? But we're not always. But it's new every morning. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. And that hope isn't the word wish. That word hope is expectations. God's going to keep his word as... as uh, um, how do I do that? Get name blocks. Your daughter. <laughs> Grace. Of all things. We're talking about right. I think Grace's name. Grace says God keeps his promises. He certainly does. Here's the proof of it. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. Oh, isn't that hard? How many love to wait? Don't do it yet, Lord. Wait. I want to wait. I want to wait. I love to wait. No, we want everything now. Just wait. To the soul who seeks him. There's the key, isn't it, right there? To the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly. Oh, we don't wait quietly, do we? We might wait, but we don't wait quietly. Was it Elijah that was waiting for the Lord to speak? I love this because so many times we want God to reveal himself in a big way and, and there was a wind that came along and God wasn't in the wind. And then a fire came along and God wasn't in the fire. And There's a third thing, I can't remember what it was that came along. The final thing was but a small, still voice. How do we hear that small, still voice? What was Elijah doing? Sitting in a cave waiting. 
our lives are so busy and hustle bustle. How many of us take time just to sit and wait? God, speak, for your servant is listening. Wait quietly. It's not easy, but it must be done. They are new and every day. The Lord's portion, uh, verse 26, it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Oh, that sounds like fun. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him. And be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief. Though he causes grief. Though he causes grief. Yet he will show compassion. According to the multitudes. Of his mercies. Not just little mercies. Multitudes of mercies. But it says clearly. We need to wait on him. For he causes the grief. If we didn't have any grief, in fact, I believe the reason America is not turning around is because America sees no need to. If America ever sees that our sin God is here and they repent of that, we'll see a revival. And so he has to bring the, the tough times along to wake us up. He did not exclude himself. And that's what I want us to see here as we wrap this up this morning. I want us to focus upon this week as we anticipate communion next week. He did not exclude himself from the suffering. But I believe he took on the greatest amount of suffering on our behalf. Hebrews 12.2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can you get that? I can't. But for with joy, he anticipated it. Now I gotta admit, if my wife or daughter or kids, even the grandkids, had to go through some kind of surgery, I said, God, let me do that for them, I'd do it. Christ did that for me. He did that for you. He was willing to suffer on my behalf to rescue me from myself and to rescue you and me from a sin-cursed world. I know we say, and I've said this many times, the world's getting worse and worse all the time. But to be honest with you, I think it's always been the same. I really think it's always been the same. But we have a different vision now, don't we? We're looking things through God's eyes instead of our own. We're anticipating the rapture. We're anticipating this all come to an end, and so it just looks bad, and it is bad. But the degree of sin, I think, has always been about the same in humanity. There's never any time in history when you've ever seen that things were good. But let's remind, be reminded of this this week. Christ suffered for us. So we don't have to suffer the ultimate, the lake of fire.
And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust yet in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I cannot plead with you enough to ask Christ to save you from his sin by his shed blood. Because if you've never done that, if you die without Christ, it will be too late. And no one knows when they're going to die. Even if you've been diagnosed with cancer and you're going to die, you have no idea when you're breathing that last breath. And what's sad is I've seen individuals who know they're going to die. They're on their deathbed. And one man I remember very specifically, four days before he died, he's screaming, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm going to hell. And his wife said, honey, you don't have to. We've been telling you for six months, you can put your faith and trust in Christ. You don't have to go there. And to the best of my knowledge, that man still went there. A very dear friend of mine, same way, talked to him. I went to his, his home to talk to him one more. I said, Lonzo, you know you're dying. We've had this conversation before. He said, get out. I don't want to hear it. And that's the last time I'll ever see that man. Because he wouldn't die without Christ and he's in hell. Nothing can do about it. I don't understand that. When you know where you're going, but people do it. It's their choice. But thank God, I'm not going there. And let's thank God for that. Father, we thank you for what you've done on our behalf. Your suffering is beyond our comprehension. But we're grateful for it. You allow us to go through suffering now so we can better appreciate your grace and know you better in ways that we can't imagine any other way. Father, we want to comprehend it as much as we can so we can love you more. So help us, Father, to comprehend it this week. Help us to get a better grasp on it this week. So when we come together next week and we actually look at the elements of communion, it'll be extra fresh, extra special, extra overwhelming, the suffering that you've done on our behalf. Thank you, Father, for suffering for us. It's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.